Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So, I don't know about you. I've been playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild for uh, the whole weekend, basically. And it's got me thinking about open world games. Like, reflecting not only on this, but on... I've been playing Gravity Rush 2 recently. We both played Final Fantasy XV. And uh, you've been playing Horizon Zero Dawn, haven't you? That's right. And that's actually gotten me thinking a little bit about open world game design, too. So, we've both been thinking about open world game design, and in some ways I'm trying to reflect on what makes open world game design good. Like, what, what makes a game really suck you in versus what makes you feel obligationate, like I, I, I guess I would say. Like, we both, you also played Batman Arkham Knight, right? Yep. When I think of typical open world game design, I think about stuff like the Riddler trophies where you might be tempted to just start going after them because they're there. And you know you get something out of it. You're not completely sure what, but you're just going to go and you're going to collect all these stupid little baubles, even <laughs> if they require you to do something really annoying. And Ubisoft's open-world games like Assassin's Creed and the latest two Far Cries have this too. Or there's just this plethora of collectibles that serve no purpose other than to be collected. Yes. Um, and, and there's things that do serve a purpose too, but some of it just becomes some kind of OCD collection having. Like, there are 42 Ben Franklin missing pages in the town, and I need to find... I found 33 of them, and I have to find the last 11 to complete it. And the reward for it is crap, but you do it anyway. I mean, it's at least a little bit better than the flags from the first game because the That's flags, true. you got nothing. And then it was what, like the the, the, the pigeons or something? Like there was a, something bird-related in the second one that got you something, but it wasn't exactly a benefit. Like, it was a sort yeah. of narrative reward, and then in gameplay, it actually made things harder. Yeah. But so, so I think... When I was thinking about open world game designs, there were two, there were a couple different important concepts that kind of hit me. So one was, there are games that have a world which tells the story, and then there are games that have a story which serves only as a uh, what do you call it? Only Excuse? as something to do in the world. Yeah. So, for example, Grand Theft Auto, for the most part, um, the the allure is is the the world, the city. I mean, right? I could go you, a little bit older than that. There's there's, there's a little bit. You know, there's, there's there's sure there's there's a story and there's a, there's quests and there's plot lines and all these other things, but ultimately the the main character more or less is the city. Uh, yeah, and so you you put a story in the city, and it's fun, and it gets you through the story. But what's really going to keep you coming back is, you know, stealing cars and shooting hookers. I guess. <laughs> I, I guess that's what gets people coming back to Grand Theft Auto because I don't. I never really got into it that much. See, me neither. So that does put us at a disadvantage because when I think like my, I mean, well, it depends on how you define it. That's part I, of the problem. Open world game has been changing. Like, That's true. If I think of my first brush with the modern concept of the open world game, 
it would actually be Morrowind on the original Xbox. That's actually myself as well. I played Morrowind on PC though, because I was part of the glorious PC gaming master race. <laughs> so that was my first brush. Where it and at the time it was also very amazing. Like this is before my whole big distaste for Bethesda's own developed role-playing games, but you jumped into this world, and yeah, you could basically just walk in any direction and go do stuff, and at that time, the world didn't auto-level with you, so you could run into some threat that you were like, oh, crap, I'm I'm not going to go there yet. And there was was an appeal to that. There was. I remember playing... I never got very far in the story in Morrowind, but I did explore virtually the whole world on foot. Um, and I think that's a, that, that always, those games always felt to me. I played a little bit of Oblivion. I played a bit of Morrowind. I actually never played Skyrim. Me neither. Um, because, of, because of my experience with Oblivion. Where I felt like those are other games where the, well, for all of the narrative that they did have, that still was, the game was about the world. Yeah. Uh, it's more so about when I'm, when I'm playing, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, the, the, the narrative is kind of there just to give you, okay, here's our excuse for a beginning, middle, end. Right, it, it gives structure, it gives you some structure as you're exploring the world. Now, to contrast that, I look at something like The Witcher 3, and that is a game in which the entire world tells a story. Um, and I was, I was reading, I, um, you know, I finished that last year. Uh, so there are 32 ending possibility combination possibilities in The Witcher 3 based on how you handle side quests and everything else. So, you know, your interaction with some barber in a podunk town in The Witcher 3 has something to do with, can potentially have something to do with how your game ends. Uh, I think that's kind of... The Witcher's maybe an extreme example of of the world telling the story where you explore the world and everything is part of an, a bigger narrative all weaved together. Um, but I think Horizon falls into that category. Um, I could see that. I could see that. Like I've, What I've seen thus far of Horizon, because it does seem very story... I don't want to say story-driven... Because I've, I've listened to people talk about it, I've watched a review of it, and the story is very important, but it's also kept to a very simple goal. But there's a lot of world building, and that's what they build the complexity on. So they don't try and go too grand scale and epic with the story. It is just mm-hmm. this goal it's... of this character has this goal, and that's what it is. We're not going to play any kind of overcomplicated. It doesn't turn into what Final Fantasy fifteen turns into. Right, right. It's it's a it's a, there's a character and the, the, it's a character story, and it has effects on the bigger world. Um, I, and but yeah, another thing that clearly puts I think Horizon in this the, this bit where and how we're handling the open world is the game really tries to restrict you. I feel like through the first half of the game in where you travel. So you start out and you're actually, you're in an open area, and I'm putting air quotes around that right now, uh, that's not, that's very small. 
And then you get out into the bigger open world, but the game kind of shepherds you into one corner, and then it sort of lets you in, okay, like, here you can get a little bit more. It almost, almost reminded me a little bit of, like, a, a Zelda game in that respect, where you know you can see more world out there, but you haven't quite figured out how to get there yet or like what's the best way to get there so maybe you can talk about zelda yeah and and how that ties in because that's actually kind of funny because to an extent uh, breath of the wild begins kind of the same um you, you start off at the great plateau and at first you know this area feels pretty big like you're looking at it on the map too you're like oh man this is taking me a while to go one one place to the next you know it feels pretty big after spending, and I took some days off work too, so I've spent a lot of time in this game. I don't even have half the map. I don't even know if I have a quarter, like maybe a quarter of the map. Maybe. Un- uh, uh, revealed. But that starting area is small. And it's very basic. It's like, here are all the tools you're going to need. Here's the general gist of how this game's going to go and how our exploration is going to work. And it's only a small part of what you're doing in the game too. Now, leave the plateau, and yeah, we're going to tell you that if you want to continue the story, go this way, but you can go any direction you want, which, granted, the enemies will get harder in certain directions, but the enemies also give you equipment, like any weaponry or anything, any shields, you will get that stuff by fighting those enemies. Right, so it so, gives you a uh, an incentive to maybe go after a slightly harder enemy than you would otherwise, and in some ways disincentivizes you from going back to earlier areas. Um, mm-hmm. That's something I'm actually encountering now, unlike other open world games, because of the nature of weapons being um, finite. Like the weapon will break down eventually. It disincentivizes you from going back to earlier areas because you will have this limited. You have this limited inventory that you get, that you get, and if you have nothing but good weapons that deal, say, twenty-five to thirty damage from later, and then you go back to the early areas, fighting enemies will wear those weapons down, and then all you have are the weak weapons that only deal like maybe two to ten damage. Right. So, right, you get in, in action. Now, what's interesting about that is I feel like. The, the crafting system in Horizon is actually makes that the opposite, where there's incentive to always pick up everything, always fight everything. Now it's also I think it's a, it's probably a much smaller world. I haven't you know read comparisons or anything, but I get the impression that I could sprint from one end of Horizon's world to the other in you know not a in a fairly insignificant amount of time uh, but there's lots well, of nooks and crannies and other things it depends on what you mean by insignificant because you get again like the same would stand true for Zelda also depends on how much stamina you've got at the time right well yeah there's no so. but yeah so so the way they worked it and this is actually um, for me the Witcher 3 is my sort of I put it up on a pedestal as one of the best open world games uh, that I've ever played Um, maybe there is the best open world game I've ever played but one of the ways I felt like it fell short was there was very little incentive 
There's there's resources all around you. There's never much incentive to actually collect those resources. Horizon is the opposite because you every arrow that you shoot uses ridgewood. And so you know, it takes you have to re, if you run out of arrows, you have to rebuild more arrows with ridgewood. So you see the ridgewood plant, you're always making sure your ridgewood's full. And every arrow requires the metal shards. So when you down an enemy, you always search it because the robot enemies always drop metal shards. And so it keeps you in this cycle where where it's actually useful to go I'm in the I'm in an earlier area, the levels the enemies are only level four or something. But it's actually still useful to go kill all those, collect all their metal shards. So I have more metal shards for arrows. Then metal shards are also currency. Uh, so it's very it very much incentivizes you know, all these things, hunting, gathering, um, collecting everything you see, but it feels good. It never feels like a chore. That's interesting. I mean, the the more you speak about it, the more similar Horizon and Zelda really do sound. Because, again, mm-hmm. like, you, you don't craft weapons and stuff like that, or at least I haven't yet. I, as far as I'm aware, there is no system. Like, I feel like that's something they would have shown you early on, or you would have figured out early on, if you could craft your own arrows and stuff like that. But just about everything you can pick up, and you'll be picking up lots of stuff, is useful in one way or another. You'll be making yourself potions and elixirs that can boost your defense, boost your speed, boost your stamina. So like, There's all kinds of stuff that you can make yourself that can help improve either combat or exploration or whatever you're working on at the time. So, the two games definitely have a lot, of, a lot in common, but something else that I did wonder, because one of the things that a lot of people love about the new Zelda, and a lot of, there are a lot of comparisons made to Dark Souls, but it honestly goes to the origins of Zelda. Zelda 1 itself is the sense of discovery, mm-hmm. where, again, like, there's a lot that I'm not told in this game. There might be some people that are like, oh, yeah, if you go um, here north of this location, somewhere in that area, there's supposed to be treasure. And what you end up finding is maybe, like, a shrine where you can do a trial and everything and it helps you unlock you might get a weapon but you also get the spirit orb which helps you boost health or whatever so you you might get something like that but it's not telling and the witcher 3 evidently does that kind of thing as well where someone will just tell you oh yeah if you do this and this you got to pay attention to the world um but like i stumbled upon all kinds like there was there was one thing that i'm not even sure if it's necessary for beating the game, because it just feels like it's something I just did. I fought a monster that changed the world, but it wasn't story related. It wasn't tied to hmm. any of that. And it's something that I had no idea you'd be doing in the game. So there's stuff they don't prepare you for and they don't tell you about. Does Horizon leave you without knowing some of this stuff like do you discover some of this stuff naturally as you play or does it largely tell you everything you're going to do within that first run like within that first tutorial area and then it's just adding layers to it as you go by like ogres it's fairly it's it's the the um 
it's fairly similar in a lot of ways to I feel like the Ubisoft open world games, where you you know you see little exclamation points on people's heads, and you talk to them, and you get a quest, and you go do some random thing for them. Oh, I lost my ring, and I need boar skins. And you go, <laughs> and you find his ring, and you get his boar skins, and you go back. And I haven't really gotten... There's not much in the way of reward for unstructured exploration. Mm. Um, now, there are... I have found, like, some caches and other things, but there, were, there wasn't a lot of... wasn't anything particularly interesting in them. They also they do some of that same enemy uh, kind of shepherding. So, for example, I'm work, I was working on a quest earlier. I think it was a level ten quest, and I was like, or it was a, I was about level ten. And you get you're going along a road, and there's a river, and you see some new enemy types on the other side of the river that you've never fought before. So I kind of you know roll over to the window, and you can scan them, and they're level twenty enemies. <laughs> And you're like, oh, uh, <laughs> let me uh, let me not cross that river. See, I like that we're getting back to that because I feel like there's like, and maybe Elder Scrolls is partially to blame because again, if we go back to Morrowind and even Morrowind, like again, if we want to really break it down, and others have said this, be they reviewers or writers, I remember talking to the, with my friends about this in college. Technically, the first open world game was the Legend of Zelda, or maybe Adventure. I don't know. We can probably break it down even further. But like the mm-hmm. first one in current consciousness would be the Legend of Zelda, in that it's this world they say, okay, here you go. And that's the thing. Open world used to be synonymous with the sandbox. I don't think it is so much, uh, or hasn't been for a while since you know Assassin's Creed came on. It kind of took things by whatever storm it did, because even hmm. Batman the Arkham games took that sort of Ubisoft formula. And what I think happened is the world itself is there, but it feels less important in that when I think of Infamous or Gravity Rush, I don't like parts of the world don't easily come to mind. But I will always remember, again, that first time in Morrowind, playing an Argonian so I could swim underwater for a long time, and just swimming around the shore and stumbling upon a temple with this fire elemental that just started chucking fireballs, and I was not ready to fight this thing. I was level (laughs) one. I was crappy. I had the crappy basic gear. I had to run away. And Breath of the Wild has that. And what you just described in Horizon sounds like it has it, too. And it, it's yeah. up to the player. Like, okay, am I ready to try and take this, or am I going to hold back? Am I going to just wait until later when I know I'm going to be stronger? And I like that sort of interaction with the world because it encourages you to think about the world itself as a place versus yeah, totally. Assassin's Creed and stuff like that. You have you always have the beginning opening missions in an Assassin's Creed game are taking you through all the basic kinds of missions you're going to do throughout the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. And then the story continues on, but now the entire map, like every map, every area is littered with these icons that they taught you how to get through. Yeah. Well, one of the things that works well in in, in Horizon, that, that while still having some of that Ubi design, 
that I think saves you a little bit is the enemy encounters. Each enemy type has different um, strategies, strengths, weaknesses, weak points, etc. Um, so every, you know, in Assassin's Creed, when you get into a, a random battle, you know, stab, 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 parry, stab, parry, stab, stab. Um, or, you know, you got to so think about, you got to think, oh, no, I can't parry, I can't block the pike. I have to dodge the pike. That's about the extent of the combat strategy. Whereas in Horizon, there's so many, there's so much to it that, you know, even just having two different, so like the sawtooth um, is faster than you and will chase you down and it will anticipate your dodges and other things. Whereas the, um, I don't know what they're called. They're like stegosauruses or something. Uh, oh, and the sawtooth has a big weak point underneath it. So you can like slide underneath it and shoot the weak point. It feels pretty pretty awesome when you do that. <laughs> um, and then there's other, the um, I forget what they're called, but they shoot an elemental attack at you, fire or ice. So if you run into a sawtooth and one of the stegosaurus guys, totally different fight, totally different strategy, totally different. It's going to go so, so many different ways than if you just run into two sawtooths or if you run into you know, a watcher and a pack of um, striders or something like that where it's everything feels so varied. And then when you see a new enemy type and you see that enemy type is high level, it's like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not ready for this. Like, <laughs> it really helps. You kind of know you. you're going to die. Yeah, it's like I, I'm going to die if I go over there, and they make consequences too. So you have a, a medicine pouch that sort of serves as a second health bar, but you need to, you can't buy medicine. You you need to forage that medicine. Hmm. Um. You can buy potions that also refill you, but the medicine is kind of the more primary one. So, you know, if you get in a tough fight and you, you win, but you deplete your medicine pouch, now you're kind of screwed for a while. And you're running around and you're trying to fill up, find up all your medicine again so that your medicine pouch is full so you can, you know, quickly recharge the health and all of that. Uh, so they really... They, I think that's, that's something that I think they've learned in these games too is that you need to have consequences to bad decision making beyond just I have to reload uh, how, how frequently does Horizon save? Like how frequently does it autosave? Um, as far as I know it only autosaves in quests and you can quick save at campfires mm, so the consequences definitely do feel bigger there Zelda Breath of the Wild seems to autosave constantly. Okay. Like, just about anything I've... Any encounter I've died at has brought me right back to... Right before I engaged in that encounter. Gotcha. Which has made well, it very easy to either say, okay, let me try again, or, you know what? No, let's not do that. Well, sometimes you almost... If you've... You know... And some of if you went for a tougher encounter, you might have run out of arrows... And completely de depleted your health, your medicine pouch, and maybe even used one or two of your like traps and other things. So you're like, if you die, you might actually want to die. 
Because you're like, if I survive this... Way too much of my resources. Yeah, you have so many resources on this, I actually kind of want to die. But it's, it's, um, you know, there's a little bit of that Souls game in there. That the soul of the Souls games, right? Have you played many any of the Souls games? Uh, I, I had a friend talk me through the first real area in Demon Souls, and then I couldn't beat the first boss of Dark Souls. So, um, Sunday I'm going to be doing on my own Twitch stream Bloodborne. Uh, I'm going to do that for the first time. That's going to be interesting. That'll be twitch.tv slash ccesarano, C-C-E-S-A-R-A-N-O, at 8 p.m. Eastern. But, yeah, I'm going to be trying Bloodborne for the first time. I mean, for the most part, like, Dark Souls, part of it is Dark Souls, that first boss. I I knew how to defeat it. It's just, every time I get caught up under the damn thing's legs, because I'd strike it from the, the, the tower... Try and run past it, and I, I, it, yeah, it was just requiring something out of me. I don't know, what, but yeah, I mean, when I, I when I played Demon Souls, I basically um, griefed. Like, is that the word? Where I found, I learned the exploits, like you know, stand this far away and shoot him with arrows, and he won't be able to hit you. That's that's <laughs> how I won most of the battles in Demon Souls. But what 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 Horizon brought in from that is the feelings of of scarcity. Now it's not too bad. Like I said, you can you can just spend a couple minutes running around and foraging and, and get all your supplies back up. But there's a little bit of that feeling of like, man, I used something and now I've got to replace it. It's not like oh, there's an ammo pack. Uh, there's another ammo pack. Uh, so there's you know you have to stop. And you have to craft everything that you that you use. You've got to well, not your weapons, just your ammunition. Um, you got to craft it. You got to craft it. So it um, that's a that's a cool thing um, they integrated there. I I just gotta say, like the only th- I do hate how everyone references Dark Souls, but it does earn its place for reminding the gaming industry what it means to have a challenge again. How delightful discovery and challenge can be again. Because uh, that's, I mean, let, let's face it, as much as I would like to say not, I mean, even the, like, they could say how much the new Zelda is like the original. There's going to be quote unquote Dark Soulsy elements in there. Um, and one of the games that I've been playing lately, Hollow Knight, that clearly took influence from Dark Souls too. Mm-hmm. So it's just this reminder that a game doesn't have to be, you know, incredibly difficult but challenge doesn't have to be niche you can challenge the but you can trust the player in other words they don't yeah. need to be led by the hand in order for the game to be fun no totally i think that's that's a good thing i think there's lots of good it's like uh it's like with this new wave of fox r-rated superhero movies right like in the last if by what, new wave you mean two <laughs> well, yes, but so we've had three superhero movies from from Fox in the last year. Two of them were R. One of them sucked. Uh, yes. So, well, we've but, got a new so, TV show from them as well. Oh, Legion is really amazing. Good. Are you not watching Legion? I'm waiting until the season's up so I can watch it all in one burst, or at least until it's on Netflix. Something I need to be able to watch it all in a binge. I, I'm gonna have to rewatch it all in a binge. 
it's it's excellent. Um, and then we'll do but, a podcast about it. But yes, excellent. Point- but anyway, so so my point being that one thing you could have taken away from Deadpool was, hey, people like movies with lots of swearing and violence. Um, and that's what I think some people to have taken away from Dark Souls is, hey, people like games that brutally abuse you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But instead, they actually figured out with Logan, and I haven't seen it yet, but from everything I've I've read on the subject, is that, you know, you, you make a movie that's true to the character, that uses the advantages of the higher rating to present a more complete or more... Uh, satisfying character um, and a story about that character. Um, I think that's I'm the same. Always, I'm always curious about whether that, whether Deadpool's success really did influence Logan because I feel like Logan would have already been in pre-production. Maybe. maybe. Now they easily uh, could have tried listen, to listen, say hey, hey, this is this is totally beside right, my right, point. Right, let me let me right, get my right, point here. Right. Yeah. Anyway, right. no, no, you're right. so my, my, my point my point is that wait wait. <laughs> My point is all that. Maybe maybe that's not the correct comparison. Or maybe Logan's <laughs> just another data point towards that. But I think some developers are learning the right things, like you said, from, from the Souls series or Bloodborne. And it's that, like you said, exploration, discovery, having the right the right level of challenge, and even making making there be some consequences to to losing a fight or to going in unprepared or any of those things. Now here's another question, and that is I don't know about question, but it's also just a consideration of is the world itself interesting and worth exploring, or what makes it so? Because one of the things I was thinking about when it came to, because at first with Breath of the Wild you stumble upon things in a natural manner, and the way things go about in the world, it fe- it has this sort of natural feel. But when you really sit down and you get rid of all the that 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 glowing bias, that just the joy of playing the game generates, everything's still video gaming. I'm so mm-hmm. I mean yeah, yeah, there's a million and one different ways to get into each shrine, but they're still like the shrine. They are the repetitive thing that you are going through. In order to get, it's like Final Fantasy 15, where every town you get to, every gas station is going to have these people that tell you to go hunt these monsters. Right. There's always going to be hunt, uh, monsters to hunt. And it's got these carefully, individually crafted locations where you can find monsters, but so much of the game, as carefully crafted as it is, is built off of this repetitive idea. It just feels more. I don't want to say abstract, maybe more hmm. naturalistic. Like, it's easier to buy into the idea, whereas, again, you play an Assassin's Creed, and it's like, oh, here's this video game mini-mission, here's this video game mini-mission. Like, you're going to stumble upon this person getting harassed by the Templars, and they're going to say the same damn dialogue every two seconds... And everyone's going to ignore it until you decide to show up. It feels like Final Fantasy XV doesn't have 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 that kind of thing going, and mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild kind of does, but 
but each instance feels more individually crafted. Like, they didn't just drop an instance into the level editor. Right. They actually yeah. let the game work itself. Like, they're like, I'm going to drop these characters and let the AI do it. Kind Interesting. of Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, so thinking about Final Fantasy... Now, I did have a couple moments in Final Fantasy XV where... I felt like I had just like you were talking about some of the some of the the hunts. Uh, like there's one in particular I remember where I think it was a, going after the Marlboro, and you're in this lush green environment, and then you come over the crest of a hill, and it's like all of a sudden there's this circle of wasteland around this little pond, and in the middle of it is a Marlboro that was your hunt target. And it makes sense. And it, it was like, oh, wow, like somebody actually paid attention to this. And it was, just felt cool because it, it was um, – but I think you're right. As, as a whole, it didn't. Um, and Horizon does kind of fall into that thing where you – the first time you get to a town, you're like, oh, this is cool. There's just people mulling around. I can greet random people. There's quest givers everywhere and all the quests are, are a little bit different. And then you go to another town and you're like, hey, this looks a lot like the first town. <laughs> uh, or, you know, you take down a bandit camp and you did the whole thing in stealth and you felt really cool. Oh, this was really cool. Like I, you know, kind of improvised and I took these guys out with my long, my like sniper bow and I got these guys in close combat and I lured this guy over to the exploding thing so I could blow it up. And then you do your second bandit camp. You're like, well, I got these guys with my long-range bow and these guys with a <laughs> sneak attack. And I lured these guys over to the exploding thing. And then you get to your third bandit camp. <laughs> <laughs> Which is reminding me of Far Cry 3 now that you're getting into it like that. Yeah, but... So it, it, has, it has these repetitive elements... Um, the big, the big thing that it has going forward in terms of world and discovery is the art. Um, so one of the, the first time you run into the, what are they called? The long necks or the tall necks? Tall necks. Tall necks. Long necks. Long necks is land before time. And probably tall necks then. Um, <laughs> which are basically like robot brachiosauruses with a satellite dish for a head um, and you climb them and you hack them and the first time and you have to use the you're gonna have to use the environment also to help you do it where the the design of them and it's cool and you see it you know the this is where that's some of the next gen rendering graphical power and all that gets into it too where because it's so well designed, because the graphics make it look so good, and the weather system makes it look so good, it's more interesting than it might have any right to be otherwise. <laughs> but it still kind of gives you that sense. You know, you see, the first time I got one, it was it was really foggy, and so I didn't. I saw it on my right on my mini map. I'm like, where is this thing? And then all of a sudden, it comes through the fog, and I'm like, oh. But you know, so there's there's some of that some of that discovery, but it still largely feels can 
And again, if you ha- you haven't played The Witcher, have you? I have not. And the, now The Witcher is is one of those. It's one of the few games where the world does not feel canned, and that's gonna be that's that's gonna be the the terrible thing that every other open world game is gonna have to live up to for me. Is the world of The Witcher is how every city is different and it makes sense how it looks and how it's designed and, and how it feels based on the you know the empire or the, whatever country is ruling it you know this is the backwoods city that some baron who is kind of a low life who got is you know is that's this is where he's ruling and this is the you know the academic city where the the university is for the empire and all these other things just it's all very different and it feels really cool and i felt like horizon didn't capture that for me i could see that and i'm curious then how breath of the wild compares because i feel like breath of the wild is in some ways limited by being nintendo and in some ways just also being on a less powerful system as Nintendo systems tend to be. Because, again, like, if I really sit back, and it also ties into, again, what I mean by character. Because I'm also thinking, again, in my head, like, you haven't played the Gravity Rush games, have you? I played the original Gravity Rush on Vita. Oh, so you, okay, so you will know largely what I'd be talking about there, because Gravity Rush feels completely video game. Where the world is there, it's got great art design, and there are characters around, but everything feels artificial. And when you do the side quest, it's like, oh, just use your powers to race through the environment. It's like the the, the environment's nothing more than an obstacle course. Hmm. Or it's something there for you to just wander around and find gems. Like, it's not a world I really felt attached to. And in some ways, Assassin's Creed and Batman's kind of the same thing. Like, those games, I'm never on ground level. And then... I wrote about this on Gamer with Jobs in a, in a piece called um, From Way Up Here, where I thought that for me it was more like, like open world games were interesting when you had extraordinary methods of getting around. Infamous is like this. Infamous, mm-hmm. you ride the, the, the wire cords. In Batman, you're able to glide everywhere or something like that. In Gravity Rush, you just kind of gravitate everywhere. <laughs> But now I'm playing Breath of the Wild, and I was even playing Final Fantasy XV, and Final Fantasy XV is nothing but mundane ways of getting around. You're either in your car, or you're on your feet, or, or you're riding the, cho- in the cho- chocobos, or the chocobos are the best part of getting around, the best mode of transportation, clearly. But like in, in Legend of Zelda... You walk, you run, you climb, and you ride a horse. Not very interesting. what I think really does it for Breath of the Wild is that the world and the characters within it have character. There's... Everything has a sort of personality to it. And again, it's all still very video gamey stuff. Like, you will see the characters repeat this, but you have a feeling that every creature you run into has a sort of personality to it. There are people that, like, the way they, they walk around, the way they act in the rain, 
um, like covering mm. their heads and everything. And just the fact that you run into these big creatures called the Henox. They're huge, they're fat, they got one eye, and they can lift up a tree and swing it at you. Nice. And around their neck, basically they wear the reward you get for killing them, or you can steal it right off their neck, is they have a necklace of weaponry. And it's usually really good weaponry too, uh, for that area at least. So if you manage to best one, or if you like shoot it in the eye and then while it's down and sitting, just grab the weapon real, real quick and then run for it. <laughs> like you don't even have to defeat it. You can just grab the weapon right off and run for it. And that's what I mean. Like that is character. That is personality. That's more than just, oh, you killed this guy and I'm going to give you this slight upgrade to how however many things you can do. And that's like both to like Assassin's Creed where you get these menial like little incremental rewards for doing this stuff or older Zelda ga- Zelda games mm. where, Oh yeah, you did the thing. Now get a expanded quiver of arrows. And I'm wondering where again, like l- let's go back. Like did Morrowind have character for the time? I think so. Do the Elder Scrolls mm. games really have character now? Does Grand Theft Auto really have... I, I guess I guess Grand Theft Auto does. I think Saints Row, what really brings people to that... Because it's not really great gameplay in Saints Row. And there's not really the that great of a world. It's that the world itself has character. Yeah. Well, and I think... Yeah, definitely the, there's the, the character is something that you can't... Yeah. Um, what's the <laughs> word? <laughs> You can't discount the, the character of something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why no, that's, kind of, that's kind of the idea where, where, or <laughs> even the. I mean, that's just that's just a general game design thing, right? Where, you know, you've you've created interesting things and you've created them in an interesting and novel way, like you're talking about. Um, I think there's also, and I'm. I'm working really hard here to come up with a good, good example. There are also games where the environment functions almost like another character. And I know I had examples before, but I can't really think of it. You technically Um, brought Grand Theft Auto up earlier, where the city itself feels like a character... I'm trying to think because like, like that's the funny thing about the Batman games like Arkham Asylum yeah feels like a place Gotham doesn't really I mean well being in... an Arkham Knight or like Gotham was just another city it was just another open world in another video game right and that's the exact opposite that you want Gotham to have in a Batman game, really. I mean, the games are great. It really is about feeling like the Batman, I guess. But And maybe it's because it's nothing but criminals. So you, you can't help but see through... The, like, it's know, not like it's not it's alive. Illusion. It's dead. Yeah. <laughs> the city is dead right now. You're exploring the city. It is dead. And because uh, it's not alive, you then are unable to see it as a city. It is a mm-hmm. play, play space. Yeah. No, totally. 
It's um. Yeah, it's. You know, well, I was thinking about sorry, sorry, kind of circling back on something. I feel like in a lot of ways, open world games are extension an extension of classic RPGs at this point, right? That's honestly so. Yeah, that was something I was thinking about mentioning earlier. Because again, Morrowind, not an open world game, but a role playing game. Well, and I'm thinking I'm going back. I mean, obviously, we talked about Zelda and Final Fantasy. Um, Do you ever play any of the old Ultima games? I have not, but I've heard a lot about them. I played only the only one I spent a significant amount of time with was Ultima Four. Um, but. Again, you even want to bring that up. I mean, the Ultima games are what inspired Dragon Quest, which would later inspire Final Fantasy, as well as like D and D, of course, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So, but I mean, you kind of get these, you get these ideas. So you right, you have a you have a world. So like, take something, take a concept, um, Assassin's Creed, right? Um, yeah. So. So you have, at the core, you have, okay, you go on missions, and you assassinate people, and you steal stuff to find out where the dagger is. That's the dagger. The pieces of Eden are or whatever. Okay, so does that game necessitate a level-up system? Does the Assassin's Creed do the Assassin's Creed game as they exist necessitate any kind of level up system? To be honest, well, I mean, what is the level up system now? Like now, I mean, technically, you're right. No, they don't. Every As- everything has a level up system now, right? Well, I mean, that's the thing. Does Metroid have a level up system, or was it called upgrades once upon a time ago? You find upgrades in Mega Man X. You get heart containers in that. Is that a role playing? Like, I, that's one of yeah. the other funny things. Once upon a time, people argued whether Zelda was an RPG or not. Hmm. I, I I do think that is one of the weird things. Is like, what is open world and what is what we once called role playing game? And I th- everything's like, everything's a role playing game practically these days, right? Well, I also feel like what we used to know as a role playing game allowed a form of abstraction or maybe not so much if you played something like fallout uh like i, I played a little bit of fallout 2 and that you know you're going screen by screen throughout the world versus growing up with final fantasy and they just abstract the world down to like okay this america-sized continent is like 20 steps across yeah. now you're on the overworld map but yeah, then it's yeah. going to take you like 300 steps just to go through this castle it was all abstracted like you understood that yeah. okay you're on the overworld we're traveling and like Final Fantasy 15 is is a result of open like things like Morrowind and other like maybe it is a sign of the western game design which is to me feels closer to simulation it's an abstract most of the time um that's, that's you, yeah go ahead sorry um you you get this See now, now you broke. You I totally, broke I totally just you ruined your train me. of thought. You had you a, you had me. a, you're a, I can't, I don't the even have a train of thought. Mind blowing, most mind blowing thing. But you Chris know what? Chris was about to blow all our minds, and I just, I just ruined it. Maybe, maybe it's all for the best because we are short on time, uh, and we should get 
too much. I mean, really, this is just a fun little conversation. Maybe we'll continue it another time. Maybe we will, yeah. Heck, but maybe we'll continue it next week. We'll both be playing the same games after all. Most likely. Um, but yeah, I mean, just some some general thoughts um, on Horizon and on open world games. Horizon Horizon's a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's a good challenge, and I appreciate... Uh, the, the strategy and other things that go into it. It really actually makes crafting not a chore. I actually kind of... Usually, if you tell me, like, if you're describing features of a game and you're like, deep crafting system, I'm like, <laughs> go die in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but previously, I, I, the only game where I really appreciated the crafting system was Last of Us, and that's because you didn't pause in a menu to do it, mm. which fit the tension of the game that they were going for. Yeah, but I, I like I like Horizons crafting. Uh, the world is fun. The art is and design is phenomenal. And because it's Guerrilla Games, which seems kind of crazy when you think about it, um, after you know, I don't know what the has been like that is fifteen Killzone. years of Killzone or however long it's been. Uh, the 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 but the one thing that Guerrilla Games brought with them from Killzone is the feel. And it feels good, and that's a, that's something that is I think open world games are kind of famous for not feeling great, um, but this game yeah they always feel clunky. Kind this of game thing. feels imme- the action feels immediate, and that's not I think that's not been an issue in, in lately. I think it's something that's been getting better in a lot of games. But yeah. you know, going back five ten years, it was. But yeah, this game the. Guerrilla Games brought over that feel, or if you ever played Killzone, you know the weapons feel heavy. They they're satisfying to shoot. They managed it with you know bow and arrows and slingshots and all that other stuff in a and and a spear in Horizon. So uh, very cool. It's very uh, polished, is what you. What very polished. Like. Yep. And. I do think that is, in regards to open world games in general, I do think that is... Horizon is a game made over several years by a lot of people. Breath of the Wild is a game made over several years by a lot of people. Hmm. Witcher 3 was a game made over several years by a lot of people. I think open world games... Are, are going to be something that's at a risk. Because as we can see, like even with a lot of years, Final Fantasy XV was a game that was not able to match its vision. So, open world games are in a lot of ways getting better. I hope that there's something that a lot of publishers and studios decide, okay, this is going to be like a specialty project that we have these people do and we fund for several years to come mm. but let's do a lot of more focused projects and this is partially I'm saying this because looking at this year and where we started and how many more games we have going down the line like I haven't even played Yakuza 0 I haven't played Mafia 3 and I got that around the holidays like there's all these games that are out there open world and open world usually means long investments of time and yes. not all these games need it not all these games need it. The open world is kind of unnecessary. Like, even Gravity Rush 2. I love the game. Does it need to have as huge of a world as it does? It doesn't. 
It doesn't because it's everything that's fun about the game is video gamey. Hmm. The open world isn't really served. Like the game isn't served by the open world, and the open world itself isn't served by the game and its design. So maybe it's time for open world games to get a little less common. But that's only so that the, the open, basically so that games in general can be better. So that the games that are going to be clunky open world games can be polished, fine-tuned, linear games and those big open world games could just be huge. But Maybe people, instead of designing a city, they need to design a level. Yeah. Um, but I, there are more thoughts I have towards that, like even like smaller open world style games that we could save for another time. Yeah, that um, sounds good. Until then, you know what? I think it's time for me to get down to play more Breath of the Wild. And I might go play some Horizon. You lie. You know you're going to have to spend time with your wife. I am going to have to spend time with her. We're probably going to watch TV. We're probably going to watch cool TV, though. So whatever. This is why you need a Switch. Yeah. She can watch TV and you can play Zelda. Mm. <laughs> I'll sell her on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure my, my marriage advice will really help you guys. <laughs> That's your other podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm out of here. You're out of here. We're all out of here. <laughs>